Welcome to the Barrel Room Chronicles. I'm Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward, former bartender, and all-around whiskey aficionado. I travel the world to explore whiskey from every avenue. For the last 20 years, I've been helping others tell their stories through television, film, and other media. But now, I'm taking my love for whiskey and my experience in the entertainment industry to uncover the fascinating stories of the water of life. So kick off your shoes, pour yourself a dram, and join me for this episode of Barrel Room Chronicles. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be just as robust as your favorite red. It is so easy to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments. Equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to httpzen.ai slash barrelroomchronicles to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Barrel Room Chronicles is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. It is 5 o'clock somewhere and you've tuned in to Episode 7 of BRC. In today's Tales from the Still, I speak with Steve Akeley, founder of ABV Network. Then later in the show, I catch up with Bob White and learned how he launched a micro-tour operation in Kentucky during the pandemic in this week's Club Corner. Stay with us. Today, we'd like to welcome Steve Akeley from ABVU Network, and he has been doing a lot of interesting things with this network, um, all about whiskey and spirits. So today, I brought him on because we wanted to hear more about his network and what he does there. Steve. Welcome. Hey, Carrie. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, glad to be talking to you. Ditto. So tell me, I've kind of seen you around on the beat here for a while, and I want to know more about how you got to where you are. Were you in the whiskey industry before this, or was this just a love passion that grew into this giant network, or how did that work? Yeah. So it was, a, you know, it, it turned from um, just a passion. You know, I was a drinker and I drank just really bourbon only. I was never into any other spirits. I wasn't into beer or anything like that. Only only like bourbon. And that's kind of what, what happened in my household. My parents were not drinkers. They would be social like party drinkers. So like at 4th of July, they would do like bourbon slushes. And at Christmas, they would do eggnog. And uh, Thanksgiving, they would do like their playoff of a godfather, which would be amaretto and bourbon instead of amaretto and scotch. So, nice. th- you know, that's that's who I kind of took my cue from. So when I began drinking, I, I only drink bourbon. But I was nothing more than a just a bourbon drinker at that point. In 2000, I had read... Uh, you know, I've been reading that they started this bourbon trail where you could go and visit the distilleries and they were kind of formalizing a little bit. And I think they had like seven on the trail at that time and took the family, my, my family, um, which is my wife and my daughter, the three of us, uh, we were on this quest to do all 50 states, but we had to do something from each state that, you know, really represented what the state was. Uh, You can't just drive through or, or, uh, you know, change planes in a state. You had to do something. And for Kentucky, I felt like it was the bourbon trail. So, took the the family and that's what we did. 
and you know, a part of a weekend trip going somewhere else. And I loved it. I, that changed things for me. From that point forward, I was no longer just a bourbon drinker. I was a bourbon fanatic and, and really started getting reading about bourbon, learning the history and all that type of thing. So so from 2000 forward, I was, you know, building a collection and trying different bourbons and, and do it. before that I was just a Jim Beam white label drinker, but seeing how wow. it was made and meeting some of the people that changed things for me, for sure. And what were, what would you, what was your career before uh, this trip and how did you shift into the ABV? Yeah. It, again, that kind of goes back to when I was a kid, I had saw like a TV show where there was a writer on it. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, it's a very creative outlet and that, you know, you do the work up front and then you collect these checks and it could be years you're collecting on a book or something that you wrote. And I always thought that was great, but my parents kind of steered me in the direction of more conventional. And I ultimately did that. I worked in sales and then I went and did a corporate job. I did a 20 year stint in the corporate world. And you know, I was kind of, my wife and I did good. We saved our money and it contributed to our retirements and all that. And always thought I could get out early, but I still had a daughter in college at the time uh, when uh, decided to start the ABV network, but I, I was doing it as a hobby. But, you know, at, at the age of 49, which that's a big number in the corporate world, if you're really into the corporate world, because at 50, you begin to get some protections. And at age 49, I was brought in after a 20 year career and said, you know, you can come to work tomorrow, but you can't come to work here. So I had yeah. to decide and I was kind of getting this bourbon thing going again, just as a hobby. And I thought down the road, I could do this full time, but I need to build it up. And, you know, of course, one of the good things, maybe one of the few good things besides the people at a corporate job is the fact that they give you a severance. When they kick you out the door, they yeah. do give you some money. And it allowed me to take my time. I had about nine months uh, between the severance package that I got working there for 20 years. I had about nine months where I could really try to make my way in the world of bourbon. And, you know, it's not just me. I have a daughter that was in college at the time. I had, you know, my wife and we have bills that were set up to a lifestyle that's set up. And that's where corporate gets you is I had a lifestyle that was really set up to, you know, utilize my, my corporate earnings. So I, I had to move from the salary I was making to zero, but I, I asked my wife if I could take the chance and and pursue the bourbon thing. And that's been over five years ago now, and I haven't looked back. So That's awesome. So tell me, what was the first thing you did? What was the first thing you set up on ABV? And how did you pursue from the first uh, show to the library of, of videos and, and podcasts that you have now? And yeah. um, what has been your favorite? <laughs> well, we do a lot of stuff. I, I, I mean, I don't even know if you know about, I mean, just to give you an idea, we, we publish about 500 original podcasts a year. We do have one called the bourbon daily. So that's 365 of them right there. And then wow. we have one called the bourbon show, which is a little bit more serious look at the world of bourbon and some interviews and that, and that's six times a month. And then we've got another one called bottle kills and last meals, which is kind of uh, one of my co-hosts does that uh, on her own. And so, so we do that and we do a blogs. We've got an email magazine we send out twice a month with, uh, I've got about 12 writers that uh, contribute to that. We do two weekly newsletters, uh, one uh, that is geared towards people in the world of bourbon, one that's geared uh, towards what's going on in the world of bourbon. I have a YouTube channel where we have a talk show as well as original wow. content like bourbon reviews and and some of our, our events where we record things and some behind the scenes stuff. And then we do tasting events about three nights a week and live events at distilleries where we use all those friendships and uh, by the way, we also make movies. We've done uh, two. You're making me tired. I don't know how you put this all in in a week. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, what you do is you work scared. And I had a, a, 
a good paying corporate job. But to go from that, uh, you know, in the triple digits down to zero, you, you work scared because I knew that I didn't have much of a chance to get that sort of job again. You know, at that point, you know, almost 50 years old and now well, certainly well past 50. I knew that I had one opportunity to do this and I've always worked scared since that point. I had to do more and more and push myself. To how can I create more and get more content out there? And it's, that's, that's what's worked for me. So. That's awesome. Now, how long before, when you first started, how long were you in the red before you got to be in the black or are we still yeah. in the black or are so, we far in the red or. So, so that was actually a couple of years actually. So I, you know, I told you I had nine months, but it ended up taking a couple of years to start making some money back. And, 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 but you know, that nine months gets extended because there is a trickle of money coming in. So you do, so that, so that nine months becomes 10 months when you, you, you know, when you sell something and then it becomes right. 11 months. So I was able to keep it together and keep it going. Um, and then even at one point I did have to take a little bit extra money. We had some stock, uh, some things that we could have access to. And I sold that, put that into the company. And then from, uh, you know, for the past three years, it's been where it's finally starting to get back where, you know, I'm making money and I, I pay people and which is always great. It, there's no yeah. better feeling in the world than the first of each month when I set out all the, the, the people that I pay and there's still money in the account, man, that's, there's nothing that's like it. Being an entrepreneur is amazing. So, yeah. Yes. That's, I totally feel you with that. Um, we've been working on, so I have three podcasts out now. We have Spirits of Whiskey, uh, and then I produce um, one called the, uh, the Cocktail Guru Podcast with Jonathan and Jeffrey Pogash, father and son team, and then this one. Um, and the, I've been doing Spirits of Whiskey the longest. That'll be two years in May. No, eight, well, April is when we started recording, but May is when we launched. So so yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. And uh and I admire what you do and I admire how you've been, I mean, just growing and growing and growing. I checked out your website recently and I was like, wait, when did all these XL, these shows come on? There's like more <laughs> stuff. And then there's an events thing and there's this and there's that. And I was like, wow, he's getting pretty big. So tell me, like, do you have uh, a lot of fan followers and do you get any requests from people to do certain things or cover certain things or? Yeah, that was a, that was a big change. That was, that, you know, initially when you start out, uh, your fan base is downloads. That's that's what you know. It's a download. When right. I decided again, no one's telling me what to do. You just kind of find your way on these things, and then you, you seem like you're smart after the fact. But I didn't know what I was doing. But I decided, you know, we have to build community. So I started a, a club, and you know, there were uh, people paid to be in the club. But that by by identifying even if it's only a couple hundred people within an audience of 60,000 downloads a month on a podcast even if it's only a couple hundred you know the people that are really into what you're doing at that point you interact with them and and then they help you grow your audience they become the, the megaphone that gets you to the next level so that is what we're, once i realized that the importance of building a community is equally as important as developing the content that's that's what allowed me to really take the next steps in, in doing what we're doing with the ABV network work. That's very awesome. And uh, recently we interviewed um, Bo Cumberland. And mm -hmm. so I know you do a lot of work with him and he does all these great YouTube videos that I've been watching uh, many of them. And um, I wanted to know how I didn't, I don't know if I asked him exactly how you guys met and came up with working together, but I'll ask you. Yeah. So, so Bo came to me and Bo, um, 
reached out and I have the, the publication that comes out twice a month is called Bourbon Zeppelin. And that's our e-magazine where we have the writers and that. And he was a reader of that. I didn't know him. I don't know how he actually found Bourbon Zeppelin, but he was a reader of that publication. And he reached out and said, you know, I do some documentaries. I make some movies and I'd like to use some of your content in my movies for facts and things like that. Are you okay with that? And I said, absolutely. And I checked out his stuff and it was very good. I liked, I liked how he edited things. I liked this content, but I asked him, why don't you do anything in the world of bourbon? And he said, well, I don't actually know anybody in the world of bourbon. Uh, so I said, well, you do now. I know a couple of people. And matter of fact, I said, I've got this movie that I wrote. And a lot of the stuff that's happened to me, Carrie, has happened like that. I wrote a movie that called Kindred Spirits about mm -hmm. telling the story of Kentucky craft bourbon. Because the, the story of the bar, large bourbon companies is certainly out there. But the right. little independent craft bourbon companies also often have a great story. And many times it's family history, too. It's not just the beams that have great family history. Sometimes right. it's the small craft distilleries. And we told the story of those, which ultimately tells the story of Kentucky craft bourbon. And we partnered up on that. I had written that movie, put it aside. Didn't know how I'd ever make it because I don't know how to make a movie. I don't, I don't know how to edit film. I don't know how to shoot film. I don't know anything about it. But I thought one day maybe this will get made. And Bo reached out and we made it. And that's that started our partnership. That is awesome. And so about how many employees do you think you have now or people participating in the content that you put out on ABV Network? Right. So the term employees, of course, is a, is a bad word. Uh, you know, right. the legal department, uh, which is my wife, uh, Contributors? Will, will you can't call them employees. They're independent contractors. Yeah. So we have probably about 20 independent contractors that contribute to things like blogs, uh, newsletter things. We've also got uh, co-hosts on the shows and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a big group of contributors that, that assist out. But in reality, to bring it all together, you have to have one person to do that. And I write all the shows, what we're going to do. And then we, we bring in the team to, to do that. Now that what they write about, they write about whatever they like, but, but yeah, so, so you, you get a team, but you have to have, you got to get everybody focused too. So that's, that's what I do. That's where my role ends up being. Wow. So I would say you, you sound like a workaholic, A and B. <laughs> um, I feel like it sounds like a 60 hour work week of what you're describing for me. I mean, oh, yeah. it sounds yeah. like you're I, always in that chair working break, away. Actually, I, I work, I work seven days a week. I'm just a guy who can't, there's no such thing as let's watch this TV show. I'll watch TV, but I'm working it the whole time. So I watch shows and sometimes I realize I never even really saw the show. I'm too busy working, but I just can't sit down and do that type of thing. So usually, I mean, I, I get up about five in the morning, start out working. I work until uh, five o'clock at night. I take a break for lunch and, and work at five o'clock at night. My wife is working at home now. She's COVID, but she's an accountant. But uh, at some point she'll have to go back into the office. But, uh, you know, we've been working together now the last year and a half. And, uh, you know, so I do that. And then I typically take a break till seven o'clock. And then at seven, I'm either podcasting or we're doing one of our live events on Zoom. So that's, uh, and that goes till about nine. So er that's every day. And then uh, Saturday, I try to try to take a break, but sometimes I get roped into things. And then Sunday, it's just like a normal. So it's six days a week, normal work day. Saturday's off when I can get them off. Uh, but usually I'm doing something even on those days. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like me. I'm, I'm constantly. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to hustle. Right? You got to. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah well, I get like, what you're saying. It, yeah. It's, it's a lot of hard work, but at the same time, I worked a bad job. That corporate job that I had, I hated. And ultimately, you know, for 20 years, I know that's it's like 20 years of life just 
yeah. being miserable. Yeah. And I pull on the and I hear you. And I think, gosh, I hate this job so much, and but I'm doing it because I need the money. And then what do you really hate? Do you hate the job or do you hate yourself? And that's where I found myself in. So yeah. they did me the biggest favor in the world. When they when they brought me into that conference, it didn't seem like it at the time. It, it seemed like a horrible thing. I had to call my wife, you know, on the way home. You know, I worked there 20 years and then they escort me to my car. I, I no, I no yeah. longer can be even trusted on the on the on the property yeah. anymore. And so it's a humiliating thing and and it, it's tough, but then at the same time, as I look back, you know, it's one of those moments that ends up being the best thing that happened because it, it gave me that kick in the pants that I needed to, to do my own thing. Even though I talked about doing it and wanted to do it, I was scared. And yeah. uh, that changed things where I wasn't scared anymore because I, I didn't have it anymore. I had to do this. And right. I, I knew I had to be successful. And the only way I was going to be successful is to work hard than, than anybody else because I don't think I'm more talented than anybody else. I just have right. to work harder. So Yeah. Well, my whole thing was here we're on, here we're, you know, we're on quarantine. Um, it, funny, I had just gotten a job on a TV show for, I think it was for Disney plus, And I literally got hired and let go in the same phone call. Like it was the weirdest thing <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, just, I had been negotiating a rate to come work uh-huh. on the show. And then while he was, he finally got it approved. And then he called me and he was telling me, but then they were having another meeting. Like the other people were, you know, cause this was going to be a travel show and they were going to be going around. Well, I can't talk about it, but it was going to be a travel show and right. they couldn't, you know, with COVID, it was going to be too dangerous. So the other people came out of the meeting and said, Hey, Hey, don't hire her. We can't hire her. We're, we're, we're canceling the show until COVID's over. So he came back on the phone. He goes, um, I'm so sorry. I have to, <laughs> I have wow. to unhire you. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And then I was like, and then everything else shut down. You know, there was no, like the whole Hollywood just was done. It was like, we're, we're off. Uh, unless you are on one of the few shows that was able to keep going. And, you know, most of those were talk shows where people were working from home or, you know, all the tech people. So I thought this time off, well, I, well, I'm getting unemployment. This is the only time I'm going to be able to develop my own stuff without having to worry about where's the money going to come from. So right. I thought it was a blessing where my old roommate on the other hand was like driving himself crazy that he couldn't go outside. <laughs> I was like, yeah. take the time and do something creative, man. Yeah. So it, it changed what I did too. So it, it and ultimately ends up being a really good thing for us. It ends up being a moment in time where it looked like it, the dream could end again. It, you, know, you finally get to a good point and then that happens and we had to pivot. We had to do different things. So ultimately yeah. it did change, but now it's, I think it's for the better. I think we're in a better place now than we were going into COVID. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, so. as you have, I mean, lucky for you, your your network is all about online content and online events and, you know, all the stuff that you can still keep doing because it's, you know, COVID friendly, basically. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very amazing that you've been able to. Um, yeah. keep things going. Yeah, that, and, 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 going. and of course, that was a shift because of COVID. Like the, the online events, we didn't do the Zoom events or I never heard of Zoom until uh, right at the beginning of, of things getting shut down. And also that pops up kind of out of nowhere. And we'd use Skype and, you know, things like that. But Zoom seemed to be superior and easy to use. And mm-hmm. we started doing events on there and they really took off. And I can't believe how many people have thanked me for what we've done because, again, that kind of uh, cabin fever of being locked right. up and the fact that we were actually doing things and cool things and interacting with people across the United States. You know, a lot of people miss that interaction. We had that with those events and it continues to be a thing today. And I think as 
hopefully we emerge from this uh, sooner than later. Um, it'll still be a thing because there, people are now used to that. And I, I think live events have a bigger place, uh, you know, as, as, as we can do those things. But, but the, this online thing is still, it's a good thing and allows you to interact with a bunch of different people. You couldn't even, even with live events. Right. So it's cool. What I found interesting about it is I started doing all sorts of, you know, I participated. I was one of the patrons of many of these Zoom events for all kinds of places. And what I realized is I don't have to drive. (laughs) (laughs) I can get, I can drink the whole sample (laughs) and be fine because I'm in my bedroom. So I know. And I, but then, you know, after a few months I was like, I would kind of like to, you know, be in the same room. Um, you know, I, I mean, of course everybody does, but I, I do see the fact that I don't see online events leaving ever really, because I mean, I, I see a lot of online and in person morphed together actually coming, um, yeah. you know, because now that you have a fan base, like, you know, before your club was say in this one little town, like here it would be, I'd be in a club that was LA, but then all of a sudden, we had um, branches from different parts of the country and we were collaborating all on one zoom. So now it's like, well, are we going to not invite those people just because they don't live here? No. So I I mean, you're going to have to do zoom so that the people that aren't here can still participate. Yep. So I think that's great. So what are your goals for the next five years with ABV network? So the big thing that I've got in the works now is to, you know, continue what we're doing. Uh, expand into the world of movies. That's kind of our next thing. We do have a movie that'll be uh, shot in June of next year. It's been funded already, which is cool. It's called Colorado Whiskey. So we're branching out from Kentucky and uh, and heading out west a little bit and telling the story of Colorado Whiskey. And I that's all am interviewing up. 291. Uh, oh, yeah, Michael Myers. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, a, he's Mike, in the movie. Yeah, he'll be in the movie. Well, I'm gonna, I'll talk to him about I'm talking to him at uh, 12. So Nice, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And uh, his mom lives next door to uh, Sam Elliott, who, you know, oh, nice. you talk about an amazing uh, talent. I mean, I love the movie The Big Lebowski. And of course, he's mm-hmm. got the, a big role in that. And I'm just a fan of him anyway. And that, that voice, of course. 1883, you have to watch it. I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but you have to watch it. It <laughs> just launched that. on okay. Paramount Network. Yeah, it's I've awesome. got Paramount, so I need to watch that. Yeah, right. no, you need to watch it. He's great. He's phenomenal. I worked with him on um, The Ranch, and he's the nicest man you could ever meet. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've always heard, so uh, you like yeah. that. You like when you hear that they're they're nice and you know, normal people, and that's cool. I, 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 like, I, like, I enjoy that, for sure. And he seems that way, and it's, it's glad to hear it in reality he really is, so I like it. Yeah, yeah. And he's a phenomenal actor, and his voice. Yeah. Oh, his oh, voice. Yeah. I could listen mm-hmm. to his voice all night long. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. What do you plan to do for the release of this movie? Do you, do you, are you going to try to do theatrical or is it going to go straight to online or? Uh, we, we always like to say we're fiercely independent. Uh, so, you know, if you try to get it to be too big and, and get huge event, we do crowdsourcing for ours and ultimately it's meant to be streamed online because we're creating it not for the mass market. We're not interested in explaining the rules of bourbon and stuff like that to people. Um, you know, we, we think that bourbon fans know all that stuff. So we, we kind of come into these things expecting that they're going to know those basics and and we're, we're trying to to make movies that we'd like to watch. So, so we're doing that. So that's 
that's the movie thing is a, is a big thing. And then also try, I'm working on opening a, uh, a liquor store, which is nice. uh, going to be our global headquarters. There'll be a podcasting uh, studio in there where you can watch. Oh my God, uh, this is exactly what I was thinking about. Like there yeah. was this little shop that was for rent down the street from me. And I was like, Oh, I should get a liquor store and then do my podcast out of the center of the liquor store. Yep, that's that's the plan. We're, we'll, and we'll have educational classes we're doing in there because, you know, like the online events, so much of that is educational. So we'll be doing that in there. And then uh, it's just going to be American whiskey. It's going to be what I know. I don't know scotch. I don't know beer. I don't know anything else but bourbon and, and American whiskey. So that's what it's going to focus on. And nice. I have all these relationships with distilleries throughout the country. We're going to bring in their products, uh, you know, single barrel picks to sell in there. It's going to fo be focused largely on barrel picks, which is a very hot segment within bourbon. And we're going to bring all of those, all these great relationships that we're got, we're going to turn them into, into products. And yeah, so we're, we're, we're getting close on that. We're doing some fundraising and things like that to get the money we need to get it launched. And I've got two parts partners that both worked for a big box retailer here in St. Louis. Uh, it's a nationwide, I think it's the largest liquor store. It's uh, they're out in California too. So uh, a total wine, called? I guess. Oh, I total guess wine. Yeah. And total wine. That's so, where I get all my good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I've got uh, two partners that work there. One was the store manager of the biggest uh, uh, bourbon uh, store in the state of Missouri. And uh, the other one was the guy on the floor selling all that bourbon. So um, yeah, it's, it's really a great partnership. And I think, uh, I think it'll be good. I think we'll be successful. So that's kind of the things that are in the near future, what, what, what we're working on besides more live events and uh, we're working on a new program called bourbon behind the scenes where we do uh, a day at a couple different distilleries kind of meeting with the people that help build a brand so it's kind of cool very cool very very cool everything you're doing sounds very awesome um and i am very i admire everything you do and um i wish you the best of luck with all of your projects thank you and um yeah, we should catch up. We should do. We should catch up every once in a while, so I can give you know our viewers and and our listeners uh, the updates on what's going on with you. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to catch up. I'd love to come on your show, talk about uh, what we've got going on, and I'd like to also extend you an invitation uh, to come oh. on and hang out with us. Uh, there, we can focus, uh, you know, specifically on you and what you're doing. And sometimes we can just bring you on as a guest host. So uh, our typical oh, shows at the Bourbon Daily, we do like five. Uh, we do myself and then my announcer and then three other uh, guests come in, people from the world of bourbon, and we just do shows and uh, and have some fun. We'd love to have you where we record a block of shows. Uh, I'd love to have you be a part of that too at some point. Well, thank you. I would love to. That would be very fun. Now, yeah. do you do you? I know you're a bourbon guy, but and that you don't want to get too much into scotch and other things, but um, do you see anything about the network expanding into like all whiskeys or being able to highlight some of these other whiskeys in other countries, or do you just want to stay focused mainly on American whiskeys? Yeah, it, it started out that way. And it, you know, that's why the company's named the ABV network, because we felt like that, uh, you know, covers everything. I, I thought that ABV, alcohol by volume, is a, is a term that's used uh, no right. matter what type of spirit or beer that you've got. And so I thought that that way this will cover everything. But what I found out over time is I need to be involved in these things if I really want to to make it reflective of the quality that I expect. So I just I, I don't know enough about the other things. I just don't have enough time to learn about wine or beer or scotch or Irish whiskey. So I, I don't anticipate that happening, but that's not to say if the right person came along and wanted to take the lead on something like that, we would absolutely do that. But it just isn't something that I don't 
think I have time to, to get into right now. I just kind of stick to what I know. And again, I don't like, I don't dislike those things. Uh, those are all great spirits or, or you know, beer is great, but uh, it's but just. But you love is bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I will you know, occasionally drink these things and enjoy them. I just don't know anything about them. Like if somebody give me a beer and I, I don't know the difference between a good beer and a bad beer or different styles. Uh, same things right. with wine. I don't, I don't know, but that doesn't mean I, I dislike them. It just means I don't know like I do bourbon. So, right. Yeah. I'm, I know nothing about beer. My, we have a, <laughs> on the, on the show, we have uh, chef Louise Leonard who does a cooking segment and pairing segment with um, various whiskeys when we have whiskey people on and uh, she's big on beer. And if, if any beer question I have, I just ask her cause she, she right. knows all about all beers. She's like the beer lady. Um, yeah. yeah. Also whiskey, but I think she's her strongest suit is, is the beer. So if I have any beer questions, that's where I go. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I stick to what I know. So, All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it was really a pleasure getting to meet you and getting to know more about ABV. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Carrie. Appreciate it. Don't touch that device. We'll be right back with Whiskey Whereabouts. If you like what you've seen on BRC, you'll love what's coming soon in the Barrel Room Parlor. As a member, you'll have exclusive access to various spin-off series, including The Cutting Room Floor and the Telly Award-winning series Kindred Spirits. To create your membership, visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member. Once you've chosen your membership level, you'll be able to enjoy all the extra content it has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait. Sign up today for exclusive content in the Barrel Room Parlor. Well, hello. Today on the show, we have Bob White from Kentucky. And Bob is here to tell us about his unique travel company. So, Bob, I came across you on Facebook. And... Um, I must say, just from what I've seen on Facebook, I would like to book a tour. So can you tell us today a little bit about your company, how you came to be doing what you're doing, and um, how you how your journey through whiskey has gotten you where you are today? Oh, sure. Happy to. Thanks for reaching out to this little guy in Kentucky. Um, my first bourbon tours were in 2011. Um, I needed a job. And there was this great company. They were looking for drivers and tour guides or whoever they could find to help them out. The company was Mint Julep Tours, and they've grown quite large. They are they are the big boy in, in uh, bourbon tourism. Um, as they grew, I realized I liked the smaller niche, uh, more intimate groups, more so than the large bachelor parties or birthday groups and all that stuff. So I decided to get off of my own thing. Um, and... Uh, I was on contract with a couple other companies for a few years. And then a couple of years ago, I just said, I, I need to do my thing, period. Um, so one thing about me, I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm a tour guide. Uh, I'm your designated driver. I am not a transportation company. I don't own a fleet of fancy buses and all that stuff. Um, I do partner with a transportation company for when I do have those larger groups. Uh, but 90% of my people, they, they provide their own vehicle and that keeps it to a nice small, you know, eight or six or four, or even just a couple or even one person. I have one of those coming up where it's just an individual, a repeat customer coming back to pick up his bottles down at Maker's Mark. He's a Maker's ambassador. So we want to uh, show him another day a good time. And I, cool. I truly love it. Um, 
if I were to hit the lottery tonight or, or die and go to heaven, uh, I'll still be conducting my tours tomorrow uh, because I, I really get a joy out of it. Showing people my bourbon backyard. Um, prior to this last decade as a tour guide, I was a, a small town newspaper reporter. Oh, wow. Here in central Kentucky. So I have a little bit more background information than the average Joe might. Uh, you know, not all stories are always positive in relation to distilleries. <laughs> right. There's a there's a real business going on there too. But um, you know, I tell you though, since since the bourbon boom began about a decade ago, it has really, really taken off. And I'm glad to be part of it. I'm proud to be part of it. That's awesome. So when uh when did you first fall in love with the spirit? Oh, now that goes back a long, long time. Um, I'm I'm your classic old school newspaper reporter. There was usually a bottle of Elijah Craig in my cabinet somewhere, um, and that's that's the brand I learned. I cut my teeth on uh, in my early twenties um, after I after I got out of the Navy. So I wasn't drinking anything more uh, more than beers while I was in the Navy as a as a young man. Uh, but afterward, when I started into the newspaper business, uh, I fell in love with bourbon whiskeys in general, and especially now these were the good old days when Elijah Craig, it was always 12 years old, and it was always $20 a bottle, and uh, you didn't have to bend over backwards to find anything like that. So um, those were the good old days, and of course here, being in where I live, um, working in and around Bardstown, the bourbon capital of the world. It's we're all saturated in it already, um, but it's nice to start tiptoeing, learn a little bit more and more and more over the years. The bourbon trail itself that began around the same time frame that I started sipping on whiskey, but uh, in 1999 and for the first decade, there really wasn't a lot going on. I remember my daughters were toddlers, uh, maybe two, three years old, and we went to Jim Beam. Nice. And the only thing going on there was we, we visit the old, um, old Baker's Baker Beam's old house, uh, also known as the Jeremiah Beam home, just a home on the property. And they had a model of a still and they'd give you a little sample of, of white label beam. And that was about it. Um, okay. And Ann Marple, the lady that greeted me that day, she's still in the business. Wow. And um, so she's over at Heaven Hill these days, but uh, still in the business. And it's nice to see those familiar faces. So boy, have things changed. They sure have. You can't just walk into a distillery anymore. No, yeah, you got to have an appointment. You got to have the whole thing. So um, what do you, so I'm assuming you have very good rapports with all these uh, distilleries because they know that you're bringing people in for tours. So sure. um, how easy is it for you to, to book something last minute and get them to, to let last you? Minutes, I won't, I won't lie and say it's extremely easy. <laughs> um, the good thing, yeah, we do have relationships and um, I've, I've never been let down. But I also realize we are partners in this and I understand where they're coming from and they can't just think, change things last minute. So yeah, I encourage people to book months in advance, you know, three months in advance, two months in advance. But of course we do get those that will book, you know, a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time and it'll pose challenges. So their list of must sees, we may not do a tour at each one of those but we actually may um, grow on that. Uh, there's so many other sites and sometimes your favorite brand may not offer the best tour in the world right? and vice versa. Sometimes you may go to a place with a, a crummy product, 
but you'll have the time of your life there. So they exactly. all offer something. It's just knowing what it is. And that's, that's where my experience comes in is just knowing the best place and what that place offers. I'm a big fan of the Cooperage, for example. So many people visit bourbon country and they'll, they'll go to 10 or 12 distilleries and, you know, they're all making corn liquor and putting it in a barrel. Right. Um, so, you know, what's, what's going to change? Not a lot, except the spin they put on it and how they portray themselves. Right. Um, but I'm a big fan of visiting one of our cooperages where uh, you learn about the wood. The wood makes it good. The barrel's where the magic happens. And I'm a huge fan of that place. I don't think enough people go to visit the cooperage. Probably not. I, I did a tour back in um, 2015. I went to Scotland and oh, we, yeah. only, we only got to go to one cooperage. Um, but it was fascinating and it was really... Now, was that Speyside or... Yeah, I was in Speyside, yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So it was a, a huge cooperage, beautiful, uh, and it was really interesting seeing all these guys like still putting the barrels together by hand. It was just crazy. That's right. It's so, labor intensive for sure. Very. Yeah, we have four cooperages in the area here in bourbon country, only one of which is really open to the public for tours. But some of the others you can kind of peek in the side door. Right, right. Chit chat a bit. Cool. <laughs> that's, so, that's one of the things I love. What is your favorite destination that you take people to? Oh, gosh. Well, once again, favorite product is one thing. Favorite destination is another. And people make all the difference in the world. Right. There, there are a couple that hit all three of those points consistently. And Maker's Mark and Buffalo Trace, they, the properties are gorgeous. The products are great. And right. the people are really, really good. Of course, both of those spots also get a little overwhelmed, you know, on a Saturday visit at either of those places. Right. You know, there's a thousand other visitors there. So your experience can change drastically from a Monday to a Saturday. All right. Uh, I tell you, I, I'm a big fan of the smaller places. But in order to appreciate the little guys, it's good to visit one of the big shows. It might be Jim Beam or Maker's Mark or Buffalo Trace or Woodford Reserve, but it's good to know how the big brands put themselves out there. And that way, if you show up on a hundred acre farm and they take you right to the barrel so you can sample whiskey from the barrel and even fill up a bottle, uh, oh, wow. you, you, you'll really appreciate that so much more rather than standing in lines and, you know, going through the COVID processes and rules and all right. that stuff that goes with that. You need the contrast. Some, some contrast is good. Um, you, we could easily spend three days visiting the beautiful places, uh, kind of like Napa Valley just landed right in the middle of bourbon country here. Nice. And, and that is, you know, that's fine for 60% of the visitors. It really is. They don't, they're not, everybody needs to explore deeply or, you know, not everybody wants to see the, the rustic rough around the edges spots, but, um, those that do, there's plenty here for them to see as well. That's awesome. So do you help anybody get their accommodations and stuff too? Or is that just, that's... Uh, no, I no. only make recommendations. Uh, recommendations I'll make, uh, and I'll make reservations for lunches during our tour day. Recommendations, that's about all I will do on the accommodations factor. We have three major areas uh, where people will tend to stay. Louisville, uh, the, the largest city in Kentucky, is a right. very practical place to stay. Um, you know, there's dozens of modern hotels and dozens of great restaurants, but many people don't want the, the urban environment. So we, we also have little bitty Bards Town south of Louisville. It's only 45 minutes away, and that's more of a small town quaint feel. It is considered the bourbon capital of the world. Or I do have a few guests that Frankfurt, our state capital, is a very tiny community. 
but I have repeat guests. They love it. They love Great. that very small, quiet town feel. And uh, so we have those places as well. There's something for everybody. It just depends on what they're looking for. We okay. have some gorgeous, gorgeous, like uh, Airbnb and VRBO places out in the countryside, hunting cabins and, and lodges for that hunting fishing crowd is what they were primarily meant for. But, but for now it's for the bourbon trail. Really, exactly. And it works out wonderfully, too. That's awesome. So tell me, uh, well, tell the viewers and the listeners. So how do they book a tour with you? Facebook is about the only promotion I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I post a lot on Facebook. My, my business page is called Kentucky Guides, and uh, it's very simple. Uh, all my contact information is on there. There's no point and click. I do have a website that will come up next month, but I don't want to have a point and click booking agency. It's important for the guest and myself to have a, a conversation. I want, I want people to be with the best tour guide, driver, and planner they can be. And there are groups that, that you know, may, not, may be better served using a party bus company or something like that. So I really uh, embrace the fact that we, we will have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Carrie, you're not just going to pick up the phone and say, okay, we're going to do it right now. And, and you may not like the way I sound or talk, or I may <laughs> say something off color or who knows what, but uh, regardless, it gives us, just, even though it's a brief chance, it gives us a, a brief chance to understand if, if this person is right for my specific group. Right. And it does go both ways too. I, I will recommend uh, groups to uh, seek help from one of my other partners out there in the transportation business. And, and that's a, okay, we want everybody to have a good time. Great. Well, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much, Bob, for telling us about your, your tour company and your whiskey journey. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you, Carrie, very much. Have a good day. For show notes on today's episode, please visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site. If you work in the whiskey industry or run a whiskey bar or club, and you'd like to be featured on Barrel Room Chronicles, register to be a guest through our website. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, Salonjava. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.